here. With regard to the children, however, let them be kept by all under diligent and watchful discipline until their fifteenth year. Yet this too with measure and discretion. For if anyone presume without leave of the abbot to chastise such as are above that age, or show undue severity even to the children, he shall be subjected to the discipline of the rule, because it is written, What thou wouldst not have done to thyself, do not thou to another. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. We come today to the second of four chapters that treat of charity and unity in the monastic family. Charity makes for unity, and out of unity springs supernatural fruitfulness. No man can be fruitful in isolation. The monk who is one with God, with himself, and with his brethren, will be fruitful, even as the psalmist says, the just, and by this word just, understand the unified man, the monos, even in uh, colloquial uh, language, we speak of a man who has it all together. That's the unified man, the monos. The unified man shall flourish like the palm tree, He shall grow up like the cedar of Lebanon. They that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of the house of our God. They shall still increase in a fruitful old age. And St. Augustine, whose feast we keep today, treats of the unity of monks in his commentary on Psalm 132, Ece Quam Bonum. St. Augustine says, Since the psalm says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is that brethren should dwell together in one, why then should we not call monks so? So St. Augustine is picking up on this, this word one in the psalm. For monos, that word from which our word monk is derived, For monos, says the doctor of grace, is one, not one in any manner, for a man in a crowd is one, but though he can be called one along with others, he cannot be monos, that is, alone, for monos means one alone. They then who thus live together as to make one man, the image is that of the body. They who live together so as to form one man, uh, so that they really possess what is written, one mind and one heart, many bodies but not many minds, many bodies but not many hearts, can rightly be called monos, that is one alone. So I wanted to give you that uh, little text of St. Augustine on his feast day because it relates to Uh, this second chapter on charity and unity within the monastic family. Our declarations and statutes interpret, 
today's chapter 70 for us, we read in the declarations, It is expressly forbidden that any monk take it upon himself to correct another. This is reserved to the prior, and in his absence to the sub-prior. If there be any who, being offended in some way by another, have not the courage to make it the matter of a generous sacrifice, let them bring their complaints to the prior, poor prior. And in his presence, the matter will be brought to closure without seeking further satisfaction in submitting to what he shall have decided and in making no more mention of it. And in our statutes we read, the monks will be on their guard against seeking to correct or reform brethren over whom they have no authority, whether it be in matters of the chant or of the rubrics or of the manner of working. That's in our statutes. Once the prior has entrusted a particular charge or area of responsibility to a brother, the sacristy, the library, the kitchen, the refectory, the guest house, the gardens, the chickens, no one else may interfere in it or take it upon himself to correct the brother in this matter. So the example, don't correct Brother Ignatius uh, with regard to his chickens. Uh, that's his area of responsibility. Uh, and nor should you attempt to correct his chickens. That too is his area of responsibility. The sub-prior may correct the brethren only in the absence of the prior. The brother charged with organizing the work, Brother John Baptist in this instance, may correct the brethren working under his authority in any matter that pertains to the work at hand. Certain areas may overlap. This calls for loyal collaboration and mutual respect. For example, the guest master has to collaborate with the sacristan about the times of private masses for visiting priests. The guest master has to collaborate with the refectorian, and the refectorian with the guest master, and the refectorian with the brothers in the kitchen, and so forth. So loyal collaboration and mutual respect. At no time ought a brother take offense at an honest suggestion, or become imperious or possessive of the area entrusted to him. Humility, charity, Graciousness and a sense of humor are always in order. The man who is quick to take offense or who magnifies the unintentional slight will never be at peace. Read the Desert Fathers on this point. Read the Desert Fathers. And be ready at all times to forgive manifestations of impatience. We further read in our declarations, following the Holy Gospel, the brethren may admonish one another charitably in order to hearten one another. That's a beautiful expression. To give one another heart, to encourage one another in the pursuit of perfection. If they have a true desire to advance, 
They shall have joy when the prior takes note of their faults for the increase of humility and the downfall of the pride that one must vanquish at all times. There is another kind of fraternal correction that is an appropriate expression of charity, provided that it is done humbly and meekly. When one brother goes apart with another brother, and with humility and meekness, and clearly motivated by brotherly love, makes a suggestion or says you might be more attentive to to this point or to this observance or uh, be careful with this, one should accept such a remark graciously, graciously. Novices and juniors do not presume to correct their seniors in any way. Should a junior notice something in his senior that needs to be corrected, he may mention it discreetly and humbly to the prior or sub-prior without insisting on his point of view or making any kind of demands. So uh, all of this relates to chapter 70 of the Holy Rule.